Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast, episode number 11. Today's guest is Lee Shutsky. She is somebody who specializes and coaches adults to stop over drinking alcohol. Now, don't turn the episode off now if that's not something that you partake in, because this can apply to any numbing behavior that we display, whether that be over scrolling on social media, over consuming Netflix, overeating, anything that we do to keep us from feeling our feelings. You will definitely want to tune into this episode. She drops a lot of helpful tips and then also she's a valuable resource that you can go to yourself. I also have some exciting announcements. One relates to ratings and reviews. So at the time of this recording, it's March 1st, 2021. So the podcast has been going just a little over a month. And I'm so grateful for all the downloads and ratings and reviews so far. But I want to tell you about a contest I'm running. And it's for anybody who has already left a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, or who will do so before March 15th, 2021. All of those people will be entered into a drawing to win a Freedom Journal. And this is something that John Lee Dumas puts out. It retails for $29 on Amazon, and it's meant to help you achieve any major goal in 100 days. And I've used it myself personally, and I love it. So I'm happy to give that away to one of the people who leaves a rating or review. So please do that. If you have any questions on how to do that, just reach out to me. Another thing I'm excited about is I have teamed up with a past guest of mine, Tammy, who is a certified Enneagram coach. So a lot of you have heard about the Enneagram, sort of, or you may not know your number, or you hear it tossed around, you wanna know more. Well, you won't wanna miss turning in, tuning in to this mini series that we're doing, March 10th, 11th, and 12th. It's a three-part series, and we're gonna break down the Enneagram, the numbers, resources on how you can get more information, I'm really excited about it. So please tune in for that. So a lot of good things coming. Thank you again so much for listening already. It's I've up to about 700 downloads. So I'm so grateful to all of you. Let's keep the momentum going. And I hope that you sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. And P.S. One last thing. A huge shout out to Call Marie. 71, who left the most recent rating and review on Apple Podcast. I'm so, so grateful to you. And you'll be entered in to the drawing to win the Freedom Journal. So thanks again, and let's keep them coming. Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Norman, former perfectionist, people pleaser, and rule follower, who woke up one day and realized I'd been living somebody else's dream because of my fear of stepping outside the lines. That's why I started this podcast, to interview authors, entrepreneurs, and everyday people who learn to overcome their fears and obstacles in order to live the life of their dreams, to shine the light on how we can live the life of our dreams.
Welcome to the Beacons of Bravery podcast, Lee Shutsky. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you for having me on. Oh, I'm excited. Where are you calling in from today? I actually live in Southern Oregon, so I'm about 30 miles north of the California border. Oh, so I'm from Oregon, so I know a little bit about the state, and Mm -hmm. everyone thinks that it's all rain and dreary all the time, like it was where I lived, but not in Southern Oregon. It's a little more dry like California, right? It is more dry, yeah. Yeah, I live in Medford, so just north of Ashland. We get a lot of people that cross the border and land here in Southern Oregon and stop. Yeah. So Lee and I met in the Serving Circle group, which now I've had a couple of guests on here, so you'll be familiar with that. But it's so great to meet people like you who are heart-centered and who have, uh, you know, you want to help others. And so I can't wait to have everyone hear your story. It'll be great. And what I want to start out with is just a can be interesting question of where are you in the birth order of your siblings or are you an only child? And do you think that's had any effect on your life or personality? Definitely. I am the youngest of five siblings. So, yeah. So I'm very competitive. There's actually 13 years between me and my oldest brother. Um, Yeah. And that also, I know that I also have like perfectionist tendencies and responsible tendencies, but definitely get that competitive spirit of the, as the youngest of five. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think the youngest child is spoiled or, Mm -hmm. you know, the older kids had to go through all the trials and stuff, but did you find that? I mean, I'm sure everyone's perspective is different on that. I definitely saw, my parents and my older siblings struggling, especially when they were in their teenage years. Mm-hmm. So for sure that was, that was going on. I just kind of hid and stayed quiet and went away to my own room. Yeah. And actually my parents split up when I was 11. Uh-huh. So uh, my, the next in line, my brother, he and I were five years apart. So really it was almost like two households. So yeah. like my parents were together they originally were in Southern California and they had my first three brothers and sisters. And then they moved to the Bay area of California and that's where me and my other brother were born. So yeah, it was very, very much a different growing experience growing up between my older yeah. sibling and then me and me at the end. So interesting. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, what do you do for a living currently? Um, and that can be a main job, a side job, whatever. And kind of what is your focus right now. And then we'll go back in time. Okay. So I, I work full time. I do personal coaching. I help adults stop over drinking alcohol um, without white knuckling it, without relying on willpower and regain their self-belief. And I was working last year in a, in a W2 job and I was just doing some free coaching outside, but I did leave that job last year and I do this full time now. So. So I really like how you put that. You help people stop over drinking it's not a phrase we hear all the time, but it's come up over and over, even in the few podcast guests that I've had that in in these kind of uncertain, scary times that it's a way to numb, to get through whatever. So I think I can't wait to hear what you have to say about your process because it might be a little different from other people, but let's go back in time a little bit to you as a child what kind of child were you? Were you outgoing? Were you shy? 
what problems did you deal with? And then how that may have played into, we'll just kind of progress through your life a little bit. I was really quiet and really um, would just kind of go off and do my own thing. You know, I would play outdoors or read or do puzzles. And I loved animals. We had animals, pets. Um, But I remember my mom always saying, you know, she didn't really have to worry about me. I was somewhere off in the house, just keeping myself entertained. So that Mm -hmm. when I was, that's when I was little, Mm -hmm. you know, like before kindergarten and then grade school and kind of always that really introverted kind of quiet quiet kid basically yeah. my next older brother was five years older than me so he didn't want me tagging around him and his friends because they were doing their thing so yeah <laughs> so did you have many close friends I mean did you have a lo- lot of social interaction or you were more just introverted and stayed to yourself I was more introverted I was in a um a Catholic school so the mm-hmm. grades were only like 30 kids each so mm-hmm. it was pretty small so I did have a couple close friends, but, um, you know, we would just walk down. It was only like a mile away. We would walk down to school and go to school and it was pretty, pretty quiet. So, mm-hmm. and not a lot, but didn't have a lot of friends over. Um, I think that was just the fact that we had a big family and parents are trying to keep, keep a handle on five kids and schedules were pretty busy, but, but it was pretty quiet. And I didn't really go to many friends' houses very often. Like I said, I did a lot of stuff just on my own. Yeah. So going into high school, as you looked ahead to your future, were you looking at college or what were your kind of dreams back then? What did you think you'd end up doing? I was looking at college. Um, I struggled in high school. I did have some close friends, um, didn't know much about boys and so struggled with dating, didn't Mm -hmm. didn't know. Um, I also started working when I was at age 14 because I looked up, you know, you talked about birth order. So I was the youngest of five. My older siblings were all working. So mm-hmm. that was really impressive to see them. They worked in restaurants. And so we would go visit them and, you know, parents would take us out and they'd be serving us as waiters and waitresses or <laughs> servers. And so I, I couldn't wait to work. So like I said, at that time, you know, I, people were, kids were allowed to work it. So I was, like I said, I was 14 when I started working. I was a bus girl in a restaurant and a hostess. So it was fun. I loved it. So I was going to school and working. So, and now looking back, it's like, oh, I wish I would have just relaxed why I could have and not (laughs) entered the workforce. I mean, I don't know if you feel like that, but I was like, man, I could have enjoyed those last few years of (laughs) freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And I did want to go to college. Um, it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, I knew that I wanted to go somewhere else. There was a, there was San Jose state was nearby and I mm-hmm. did get accepted, but I wanted to go out of the area, but I wanted to go into architecture school, or at least I thought I did. And the school I applied to didn't accept me. And um, so I went to Chico state into an engineering program. Cause I thought they were similar. That is not the case. <laughs> so different. <laughs> and so I only did that for like a semester. They handed me like a schedule. And I said, we're not doing that for four years. <laughs> So what did you end up doing? Let's, you know, go on in your course mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. life. I, um, so in college, I switched to business and I'm choosing finance. Uh, I had a great finance teacher, teacher. He made it fun. And I was mm-hmm. always really analytical and loved numbers. Um, so I love that. But, you know, it was also college. So I also, that's when I really started drinking. because I was drinking in some in high school, experimenting, but then also really partying in, in college and working, working full time studying full-time, partying full-time. 
three full-time jobs right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> so then what did you end up doing when you initially got out of school? So I actually, at that time, um, there was a limited number of, of companies that would hire people in finance jobs right out of college. But mm-hmm. one of them was the FDIC, which is the the bank regulators, Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Mm-hmm. And I, that was a tough job. That was a tough application process and limited number of positions. And fortunately, one of the guys that was in the local field office, the Sacramento field office had gone to Chico State. So he was an alumni and I did apply and I got in and was an assistant bank examiner. So I was really fortunate because to get out of college and go right into a financial analysis, not very common. And we had the best field office. We traveled, everyone was great. It was stressful. We would go to banks, but because we also traveled so much, our region was the Central Valley of California. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were a really tight field office. So it was it was an awesome experience, especially for a first professional job right out of college. It was great. So did you then go on to get married, have kids, uh, have any, you know, else going on? I actually, when I was in college, um, I did meet my, we got married. I did meet a guy I was dating. We ended up getting married. Um, we moved to Oregon. He, after he graduated, we had family both in the Bay area and up in Washington. So we looked at a lot of different places, but uh, Southern Oregon was kind of in the middle and we moved up here in 1993, but we did end up getting divorced. We, we wanted to have kids, we waited and then we, it didn't work out. So we got divorced. So. Okay. So you don't have children at this point. Okay. So you know, the theme of this podcast is a lot about overcoming fears and obstacles mm-hmm. in order to kind of progress your way along. How do you think fear impacted you at this time as a child going into the workforce, I mean, into high school, then the workforce, what your, what were your major fears and how did you end up overcoming them? Well, the reason I mentioned the story about a, a applying to an architectural school and not mm-hmm. getting in was that my dad actually he was like well why didn't you get in I'm like I don't know and so he basically said well call the school and find out so that was super scary yeah so that was when I was a senior in high school and when I called him it was Cal Poly down in San Luis Obispo and they basically just said well, you were ranked, you were number 121 and we only had like 117 spots. So that was, again, I made the phone call. That was a huge, at that time, I remember that being really scary to call adults and ask them, why didn't I get in? And then once they said, oh yeah, you were, you were in the top Spots group. away. <laughs> exactly. It was like, you were right there. It's just, we only had a limited number of spots and you were at the spot. So that, I remember that lesson from my dad of just calling and asking the question and just finding out that was huge. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that was definitely one lesson learned. Another one, which is more about facing a physical fear is I'm deathly afraid of heights. And Mm -hmm. so our, our FDIC field office would do a lot of excursions together and they went on a group bungee jumping trip and it was off of a bridge over the feather river, North of Sacramento. And I couldn't do it. I just couldn't even let go of the bridge. I physically, could, I mean, I was hanging out on the bridge, could not let go. And after the day was over, I was so disappointed with myself all week long that I actually went back with, at the time, my husband, we went back to the same, to the same bungee jumping outfitter, went back to the bridge. 
I still couldn't let go. I still, cause I'm definitely afraid of heights. And yeah. what they do is what they call an airplane toss. So they have you lay on the ground and they pick you up and they throw you off over the bridge. <laughs> I don't think they do that anymore. I mean, I was all secured, but it was, so I, again, that was like my big overcoming my biggest physical fear. And I was just so proud. And it's like, I'm not proud, but like I overcame such a terrifying fear, you know, hanging there on the bungee cord below the bridge. And then as they pull you back up, you got to climb over the bridge. I like latched on for my dear life coming back over the bridge, even though I'm all geared up and tied in. And I went into the, my coworkers on that Monday and I said, guess what I did? (laughs) The team that had done it like the week before. Right. Because I mean, that staring down at what you're about to do is the most terrifying. So, I mean, I actually think that's a good method. I'm just going to lay on my back and people are going to throw me. <laughs> yeah. Cause they, what they do is they have, you get on the outside of the bridge and you're hanging there on the outside of the bridge and you're supposed to let go. Oh, I'm like, I can't do that. okay. And yeah, so I came back on the inside and then the, the airplane toss, they actually have you lay face down. They pick you up and they just throw you off. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. It's like, I remember being on the high dive in high school, looking down, like, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go. And you know how people crawl back down and stuff. And then if you just jump and Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a metaphor for a lot of things in life. Yeah. They're at it all day long and be scared to death. But when you just move, you make Mm -hmm. that move, you jump. So now I want to kind of go into what led you from where you were kind of in finance to what you're doing today, which is totally opposite. I'm sure there was a lot of things that happened in between and drinking had to play a part in all of this. So kind of lead us on that path. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I started experimenting with alcohol when I was younger, like grade school and high school. Um, our family was Catholic. And so there was a lot of alcohol involved, but it, it, it definitely touched my entire family, parents, siblings, nieces and nephews. Um, I, like I said, I partied a lot in college. Again, I was trying to hide the, the pain of feeling. I, I think one of the things was I remember when I was little, my dad saying girls are to be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. And so I always felt like I shouldn't speak up or say anything. And so I think that's a lot, um, you know, I'm sure he was doing the best that he could at the time. Mm-hmm. My sister even was saying she remembers him saying that. I think mm-hmm. he was trying to protect us, I'm sure. But I really internalized that. And so I know I was numbing out with alcohol and my mm-hmm. drinking got progressively worse. I mean, I knew in the 90s that I was over drinking and I looked for help. I tried to figure out ways to stop. I looked at 12-step programs. I looked at recovery. I looked at outpatient rehab. I looked at inpatient rehab none of those were really an option for me. I was working full time. Um, but my, and I was hiding my drinking. I mean, I was feeling a lot of shame. I was self-critical, super judgmental. Um, cause again, the expectation growing up was girls would be seen and not heard and you should get straight A's. If you get an A minus, where are you getting an A minus? So that really perfectionism, high standards. Um, and I, I just, like I said, I was hiding it and it was getting progressively worse over years. And I had tried to stop, tried numerous times to stop. Um, and finally in 2018, I had a really bad evening, bad for me. And the next mm-hmm. morning I was like, if I don't stop, the legal authorities are going to make me stop. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, involved driving and I shouldn't have been doing things I was doing. And I was just like, I have to stop. 
And I just white knuckled it. It was miserable. I shut myself off for months. I mean, I was working still. So all Mm -hmm. I was doing was going into work and then going home. And I literally told myself I can eat or drink anything else except alcohol. And I mean, I would like literally grab onto the steering wheel as I'm driving by the liquor Mm -hmm. store on the way home. But that's what I told myself is, and and at that point, by the time I stopped drinking, I was up to drinking a couple of bottles of wine a night. Mm -hmm. I was depressed. I was suicidal. I kept feeling like, what's the point? I mean, I thought I'm just wasting my time here on earth waiting to die. And it was, I'm, you know, I'd pass out every night on the couch. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'd go into work in the morning and I was just like, I knew it wasn't sustainable, but again, I just couldn't stop. And I finally Mm -hmm. had that, like I said, that dangerous episode. And it took me about six months for my brain, for the brain fog to clear Mm -hmm. and physically to, I mean, I didn't even realize how foggy my brain was. Mm -hmm. And, and once I got through all that, I realized, well, before I, you know, didn't want to live. And now I'm like, now I do want to live and I want to help people and make a difference, you know, Mm because I'm like, well, now I'm like, this is great. But I was like, I found this program, this stop over drinking coaching program. And I'm like, I love that it doesn't rely on willpower. Again, it's really talking Mm -hmm. about why are we numbing with external substances? I mean, I use it now for myself, for other things. I maintain not drinking, but it's also, I use it if I'm overeating chocolate or if I'm over watching Netflix. Right. And it's really asking, what am I trying to avoid thinking and feeling by looking to this external activity or this external substance? And it's, it's, it's really been life-changing. I was like, I wish I had found this, like I said, in the 90s, 20 years. So you said you looked into rehab, 12 step programs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, What made you not go? I mean, you said you couldn't take time off work, but how does this differ from, and there's no wrong way. I don't Mm -hmm. think, you know, so what attracted you to this and, and why do you call it this? Because I think me personally, I think there's a stigma against labels, Mm -hmm. alcoholic, drug addict, you know, all that. It's like, that might prohibit people from even wanting to go get help because it's like, well, then I'm labeled this, you know? I agree. I mean, in the nineties, I would never have classified myself as an alcoholic, but I was just like, I'm drinking more than I want to drink. But Mm -hmm. at at that time, all I was seeing was recovery programs or 12 step programs. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't really think that I'm there. And that I looked at outpatient rehab and it was very similar. And I'm like, I'm already shaming and judging myself enough. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't like the concept of labels because I didn't feel like it was very helpful. Mm-hmm. And I did go to some meetings. Uh, again, I didn't really feel like the environment was very safe um, just because of the nature of the, the mix of people in the meetings. They were mm-hmm. dealing maybe with some other substances that they were dealing with as well. Yeah. Uh, a lot of our meetings had a lot of men. It was hard to find women meetings. Huh. Again, where, where someone's working full time, we didn't have a lot of meetings where professional women were, were going to AA. Mm-hmm. So part of it was, I didn't really feel comfortable going to the, a lot of the meetings. You know, I'd go home from work in my business outfit and go into a meeting and it'd be in the evening and I'd be the only woman there. I'm like, I don't really feel comfortable yeah. in this part of town where this is happening. So that was a lot of it. Um, and like I said, I didn't even know this curriculum was available, this coaching curriculum. It was developed by Brooke Castillo at the Life Coach School. Mm-hmm her own experiences with with overeating and over drinking but it's again it's really going back to the concepts you know she bases it on the psychology of really looking at our underlying desires our mm-hmm. over desires and why are we numbing with external 
substances or activities, like I said, overworking, overscrolling. And it's, it's that thing of what are, what feelings are we trying to avoid feeling by turning to something external? So very interesting. And what do you find? I mean, I'm sure there, the reasons run the gamut, you know, a, a lot of people were kind of like us, like, didn't really feel great growing up, you know, you're kind of uncomfortable in your old own skin, but is there any commonality theme that you can see in your clients of why they turn to these things? And, um, and like you said, it can be, uh, social media. I mean, that is a huge addiction right now. It's just like, I'm going to scroll so I don't have to feel. So we're talking about everything, but is there any commonality? Well, and exactly what you said, that's the commonality. People do it because they don't want to feel. They don't want to feel whatever negative emotion it is, whether it's depression, fear, anxiety. And it's helping clients understand and realize that it's okay to sit with those feelings. It's okay to allow the feelings in because that's how you release them is by allowing them. And part of the reason we don't want to feel them is, is our brain is trying to protect us. It's trying to say, Hey, this isn't safe. And so our brain is doing what it's supposed to be doing. And it's realizing that it's okay to feel the discomfort of feeling the feeling. We're not, we're not in any danger. We're not unsafe. We're not going to die. I mean, our brain primitively is saying, I'm trying to protect you. So their brain's doing what it's supposed to do for us to protect us. But we are basically, you know, we can take our conscious brain and say, I can sit here, I can learn to feel all the feels and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And the other side of it, the other part of it is I think our society tells us that if you're not happy all the time, something's wrong. Yeah. And it's, it's the realization that life is 50, 50, there's 50% positive and there's 50% negative and embracing that concept allows us to feel and be the hundred percent of the human experience. Mm -hmm. So it's the positive and the negative. So it's both. And And once people realize I can feel these discomfort and these negative feelings and I'm still okay. And really my, our feelings come from our thoughts. We become unstoppable. Yeah. And great point about, it seems like the goal in our society is to be happy all the time. Just like you said, and that's not reality. There's Mm -hmm. polarity to everything we do in life. There's a positive and a negative. So I really like what you said. And I'm excited for the impact that you're having on people. And it's great. And it seems like it lights you up and, you know, seems like your purpose. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. As you look to the future, what dreams do you still have out there that you want to fulfill? And are there any fears that you're still like coming up against that you're having to work through? I because I'm creating my own business, I come up to the fears of things where I've never done them before. But what I realized, and I think I emailed this to you is that uh, my theme word for this year is bravery. So mm-hmm. I, love I, I, it. Name yeah. it <laughs> right. Well, and that was the thing is I used to think that my purpose was to inspire others. And I realized mm-hmm. that all I was really trying to do was to inspire others into loving themselves, which is really a reflection of me trying to inspire myself into loving myself. And you can't (laughs) really do that. And, and I I realized that being brave for others and providing guidance for people who are struggling with over drinking 
and crossing boundaries where it's like before I'd be really afraid to maybe reach out. And that goes back to that. Like I said, my dad said, girls are to be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. And the way that that manifested was I would think about calling somebody or texting somebody or posting. And immediately this inside voice would say, no, they don't want to hear from you. Yeah. And only until the last few months did I really catch that. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think that's the big thing is overcoming those fears of doing what we're doing to realize that that's, that's how we help other people is by yeah. not getting in our own way and basically saying, it's okay, we're going to feel the discomfort and it's fine, but this way we can reach out there and help people. Yeah. In regards to the question of, is there anything holding me back when I look forward? Um, not anymore. Like I said, when I stopped drinking in 2018, like I said, at that point, I was like, I don't want to be on this earth anymore. So mm-hmm. now I'm like, like I said, getting out of my own way for my business. But beyond that, I'm like, yeah, that was the biggest, biggest accomplishment of my life was stopping over drinking alcohol. Yeah. Isn't it strange that the reason you and all of the rest of us start is to feel better. And then when you're over drinking, like you said, you were suicidal, whatever, and in a fog. And if you could just go to that next step and see that there's still life. Like you said, you want to be living now. Like, oh, I want to be, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And I think you're an inspiration to show people that, yeah, you will have desires and dreams again once you cut that out, you know. Let me ask you this, because some people might be wondering, do you have to go 100% no alcohol or no social media or no whatever eating. I mean, you can't go no eating. That's the funny thing. Whatever your, your addiction is, um, do you have to go hundred percent or is there any moderation? Yeah, my, no, my approach allows for both. So it helps people if they want to reduce how much they're drinking or if they want to stop completely. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that if you want to continue like, like using social media as an example or drinking, you could say, I'm going to plan this activity in advance, 24 hours in advance and use, use our higher brain to do that because we don't want to be in the middle of a situation and respond to an urge respond to just a primitive, grab that drink and do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing is people, I meet people wherever they're at. Like I said, if they just want to drink less, they're just like, you know, I'm drinking a little bit more than I want to, or maybe I'm binging. Mm -hmm. We really look at the underlying thoughts and feelings of you know, why are they doing that and sitting with those urges and really just exploring it. And, and it's really about replacing judgment with curiosity. It's, mm-hmm. it's just getting curious and getting aware because once we get aware, then we can say, let's just put a little pause button there on that action before we go grab that drink or grab the phone. Or like I said, if someone, if someone wants to stop completely, they can do that too. Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, I'm excited at the end. I will ask where people can contact you and find your programs and your coaching, because I think this will spark something in a lot of people. But before that, I want to get to kind of my final five questions that I usually ask people. I think you mentioned when you were a child, you liked reading, you're kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And I think you still do probably. I love books. So can you give us all a recommendation for a book that has inspired you is helpful to you. Yeah. I recently, I'm actually listened to it on audio. Um, Glennon Doyle's book untamed. Mm -hmm. And so she also struggled with, um, you know, hiding in her life and with drinking. 
And she, at the beginning of her book, she uses a story of the cheetah, the cheetah that's in captivity. And like the cheetah may not really realize that it's a cheetah, but it's mm -hmm. kind of looking off. And I think that's a thing we as people, we, a lot of times we don't realize we're holding ourselves back. Like we mm -hmm. know we're made for something more. We're just not really sure what it is. Yeah. So yeah, I just recently finished that last couple months and that was really good. That's so. great. And in my first episode, I told a story that I read in a book about an eagle being raised with chickens and he never realized he was an eagle and yes. we're all eagles. We're all cheetahs, but we, yep. we are slumming it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's time to realize you were made for more, like you said. Yeah. How about a quote? Is there any quote that you come back to time and again, that's inspiring for you? It's, it's not a quote per se. It's actually a question in mm -hmm. my coaching, but I use it every day for myself. So I use it for clients and myself and it's, what would it look like if this were easy? Hmm. And how, how can I let this be easy? And it's really that again, getting curious with ourselves and asking ourselves these questions because our brain will come up with the answer. So instead of getting stressed and amping up and getting into overwhelm, it's like, how can I let this be easy? What would it look like if it were easy? And just asking that and anyone that's for everyone, all of us, you know, your audience, anyone can use that. Anyone can ask yeah. that question. That's great. Cause we make just huge dilemmas out of every everything so yeah why does it have to be that way why can't it be easy yeah I love that that's perfect um I'm not sure if you listen to many podcasts but if you do is there one or two in particular that you enjoy yeah I really like yours I've been oh, listening to this <laughs> um I also yeah um broke with a life coach school has her own podcast mm -hmm. Castillo. Yep. She, she's great yep and then um, I know you had mentioned you were in Kathy Heller's program, uh -huh. and she, her podcast. I, I I was listening to it for a while, and I kind of got out of the sync with it, and then got back into it. But it's what don't keep your day, day job. Yeah, that's another one. So yeah, I do a mix of inspirational and entrepreneurship, and then some fun ones. But those are all great. Yeah. Podcasts. Well, thank you for that shout out, shameless plug. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, how about? social media, we've talked a little bit about it, but is there anybody you particularly like to follow that's inspiring to you or anything like that? Not on social media per se. Mm -hmm. um, I was never big on social media. I've actually really been using like Facebook groups to connect with people, yeah. but beyond that, I don't really follow anybody. Okay. Well, we'll have to, of course, give a shout out to Tyson Sharp's group that we're both in Definitely. the Serving yes. Circle. If yes. it weren't for that, we wouldn't have connected. So yeah. that's the good side of so mm -hmm. social media. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. So how about a movie that, you know, if you go by a screen and it's on, you have to stop, you could watch it over and over again. Is there one of those in your life? I actually really enjoy the Shawshank Redemption. I don't see mm -hmm. it very often, but um, I don't know if you know this, but it was actually based on a novella that Stephen King had written called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. But mm -hmm. I loved, he was my favorite author growing up. And mm -hmm. people think he's just a horror writer and he writes horror, but he also writes mm -hmm. human stories. And so that movie was based on one of his novellas. I did not know that. That's a yeah. great show. And he, his writing is so good because it's so descriptive. I mean, mm -hmm. you can picture everything as clear as day in your mind. And, and I don't really like horror books, but he has all different kinds. And so that's a it great, yeah. Yeah. That movie is good and you won't cry. 
<laughs> if you watch it, if you haven't. Yeah. So let's now, this is your opportunity to tell the audience how they can connect with you. I know you didn't say big on social media, but um, a website, a social media handle, anything like that. How can they connect with you if they've connected with your story and your message and they want to reach out to you? I do have, um, my website is updated. It's just a one page site. And mm -hmm. so it's www.leeshutsky.com. I don't know if you want to put that in the show notes. Yes, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. And so again, it's just a one page website. And I do have on there um, an opt in for three tools to stop over drinking. So it's a free PDF. That's the one thing I do one on one coaching, but I also want to get this information out as to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. So people can use that PDF, you know, if they want to you know, get the free guide and use it themselves and use those tools. And then if my email is on there, if they want to contact me okay. as well and do coaching, but yeah. Well, that's awesome. Especially if they want to kind of tiptoe in, you know, they want to see what it's all about. And yep. Lee, I can't say how, how much I've appreciated you being on here enough. I mean, I think you're doing great things and your story is amazing and congratulations on, you know, your journey. Uh, I'm going to end it by asking you, is there anything else still out there that you want to say that's on your heart that you want to give as kind of a final, final message to our viewers, not viewers, listeners, <laughs> we're viewing each other, but <laughs> I think the biggest thing for your audience, um, which is really eye opening, it sounds really straightforward, but realizing that our circumstances are neutral they don't mean anything until we apply a thought to what has happened. And from our thoughts, that's where we're feeling. If we're, if we're creating negative feelings, it's because we're thinking something. And, and that's where people can bring their agency back is when they realize that, okay, this situation that I'm facing is neutral. It's factual. What am I thinking about it? Or how am I thinking about it? Or what am I making it mean about me? And what feelings am I creating? And realizing that that's all okay. It's all part of being human. And again, looking at that without judgment, just being curious, creating the awareness. And again, taking the agency back because we can change our thoughts mm -hmm. and it's not about thought swapping. It's not about choosing an affirmation we don't believe in, but it's learning how to choose thoughts that are believable and realizing that we can change our experiences, you know, our feelings and our results from that. So, mm -hmm. and everyone that's true for all of us. Right. hundred percent. I mean, just rewind that and listen to it again, because I agree with everything you just said. So thank you, Lee, for being on so much. I can't wait to continue our friendship and connection. And I can't wait for people to reach out to you. And again, I'll, I'll put everything in the show notes of how you can connect with Lee. And, you know, if you're getting a little inkling, this might be a problem, you know, download her PDFs to see, yeah. you know, if that, that could help you just right there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the beacons of bravery podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you would go and rate and review the show and also share it with somebody who you think would benefit from listening to the message. I would also love to connect with you on Instagram, or you can email me at beaconsofbravery at gmail.com. I hope something that you heard today will help you go out and live a more joy-filled, inspired life. 
Don't keep playing it safe. Be brave today. And of course, a huge shout out to Steve Denny for providing the music for this podcast.